This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. So God wants us confident in who He's called and created us to be. That there are things that are on the horizon that it's going to take you and I knowing who we are in Christ and knowing who He is, His character and nature. Jeremiah 29, 11, on your notes there. Jeremiah 29, 11, most of you know this. He says, For I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Now, most of us know that, okay, God has a good plan for my life. But the question is, are you and I walking in it? Are we at least engaged in the process of knowing God and being the best us we can be? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. Through Hebrews 12, we go from the hall of faith into Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, And all of these, though they won divine approval by means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised because God had us in mind. Say, God had me in mind. Something better and, uh, and greater in view for us so that these heroes of faith and heroines should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us, let us run with patient endurance, steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that is set before us. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. Now, notice how it says that these heroes of faith, this cloud of witnesses, they didn't walk in everything that, that God had promised them because God saw you and I. He saw this time that we live in right now. He saw the greater. He saw the better of His will still being manifest on earth just like it is in heaven. And he says it's important for you and I to take our, our runner's position, to take our stance that we're going to run our race. Say, I'm going to run my race. I, I'm going to run it with patience. I'm going to run it with endurance. I'm going to strip off. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4 and other places in the Bible, when it uses the phrase strip off, it's just like an old set of clothes that we're going to strip off the, the attitudes. We're going to strip off the, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. We're going to strip off the hatred. We're going to strip off anything that's holding us back from being everything God has called and created us to be. And so if there's things that can hold us back, then there's also things that can push us forward. If the enemy is going to try to distract us, I mean, you think of the word distract, it, it, it's the word track, like you're on the right track, and dis reverses the meaning of anything. And so the enemy is going to try to get us off track to reverse the meaning we're headed on the right track towards God, but he wants us to head in the wrong direction, away from the plan and the will of God. Now, if God's plan for our life is good, and the enemy wants to distract us, God gives us the instruction, okay, throw off like an old set of clothes, anything that is holding us back. Look away from things that distract us. Look into the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus. 
We've got to know that the power of the blood speeds us up. The power of his word speeds us up. The armor of God is given to us to speed us up. The things of God are designed. If the enemy can slow us down, then God can speed us up. God is bigger than the devil. The devil is not bigger than God. The devil's plan is not more powerful than God's plan. It doesn't matter who's in office or what's going on in our world. The devil and all his cohorts, they are not bigger than the God that we served. And God wants us to walk in his plan. Second Timothy chapter two, verse four says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now we've looked at that word please there before and it paints the picture of a fit horse that is just phenomenal, that is so beautiful to watch move and act and, and the way that it carries himself. And he's saying, this is what God wants to see when he looks at you and I, that our moves are in faith, that we're in shape spiritually, that we're at the right place at the right time. In other words, are we giving the heroes of faith something to cheer about because what we're doing looks impossible in the natural. What we're doing is taking faith to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven. Are they giving, are you giving them, am I giving them anything to cheer about or are we boring them? I don't want to bore them. I want them to know that you and I were, were in the game, that we're giving it our all, that we're developing every gift and talent, passion and desire and dream that God's placed on the inside of us. And it doesn't matter what we face. We're not backing down and we're not backing off all for the glory of God. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 24 through 27, he says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, I think sometimes we've heard those scriptures like that so many times, we lose the value, we lose the reverence for it, of really what God is telling you and I. He's saying, I want you to know that you have a race to run, and I want you to be confident that you have everything that you need to run your race, and run it in such a way like you're going to win. Think in such a way that you're going to win. Believe in such a way that you're going to win. Walk in such a way that you're going to win. Get up when life has knocked you down in such a way that you're going to win. All you're thinking is winning. You're going to cross the finish line, not barely getting by with your nose bleeding and your, you know, everything hanging out, but you're going to run across the line with strength and vigor and power and authority and dominion. Say, I'm going to run my race. Second Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept, I've kept the faith. Now, God is wanting us to run our race in confidence. Say, he wants me to be confident. He wants me to be confident in the race that he has for me. He wants me to be confident in the plan that he has for my life. He wants me to be confident in the power of the blood. He wants me to be confident in the power of his word. He wants me to be confident that we have angels assigned to us. He wants me to be confident that he's watching over his word to perform it. He wants me to be confident that he is still the God that heals every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how confident are we really in the covenant that we have with our God? Are we truly confident that our plan, the plan that God has for our life will not be hindered no matter who's in office? Are we confident that our prayers are going directly to the throne room of God and his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto our prayers? Are we truly confident that whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, it is given unto us? Are we truly confident? 
1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. Are we truly confident that we're walking in His will, in His plan? Say confident. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So this good life and this plan, God already has it prepared for you and I. He already has it planned for you and I, but it's our choice to take the path of our destiny. Now, no, now know that the path to our dream and destiny is going to be full of resistance. It's going to be full of things to overcome. It's going to be full of obstacles. But on this path, he says, it is the good life. It's good, the good fight of faith, the good life, the, the goodness of God turns people to repentance. It's the, the goodness of God that manifests His healing power. It's the goodness of God that brings provision in our life. It's the goodness of God that opens up the divine relationships. It's the goodness of God that gives us technology to reach people around the world. It's the goodness of God. He says, there's a good plan for you, say for me. But it's up to us to choose to walk in that good plan. Second... Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 it says be diligent to present yourself approved of God a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth see when we're diligent about knowing the heart of our father and diligent about learning the word of God because the word of God reveals the will of God correct so if I want to know the will of God, then I must know the word of God. And he says the more diligent, the word diligent means an, an energetic application of what I'm learning, that I'm going to stay consistent at it. I'm going to be diligent about it. I'm going to be determined about it. I'm going to be applying what I'm learning. He says we get to the point that we're going to grow in our understanding of the heartbeat of the Father, that we're going to be a workman, that it will not be ashamed of what you're called and created to be. You will not be ashamed because you know what God has placed on the inside of you. You will not be ashamed because you know you're running your race. You know you're in the game. You know you're taking the path that God has prepared ahead of time. Now, now how do we discover the path that he's prepared ahead of time? In your own time, and we might get over there as we go on, but he talks about the Spirit of God revealing to us the mysteries of God. He talks about the Holy Spirit revealing to us the plan of our Father. He talks about the importance of the relationship of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we pray in other tongues and when we pray the mysteries of God, we're praying out the plan of God for our life. And it's uncovering what has been prepared for us before the foundation of the world. Now, we've been talking about the importance of having that quickened word, that word from God that's undeniable, that word that is, is uh, it's just uncovered by God. And we know that we know that we know that God himself spoke it directly to us. And, and that's our sharp sword. But what do we do when we don't, we don't have those quickened words? Or what do we do when maybe it's been a while since we've had a quickened word? Or maybe we're wondering, okay, what's the next step? Or what is the plan of God? Or what is the will of God that sets me up to hear 
the specific word of God or the specific direction. Let's get into that. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, as you're, as you're turning over there, I, I want to encourage you to, to really get real with yourself and ask, okay, how willing am I to know the heart of the Father? How willing am I to do what God has called and created me to do? When I see something in God's word, am I going to be willing to do what God's showing me to do? Am I going to be willing? See, willingness is a big thing with God. Isaiah 119 says, when we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. Are you really willing to do whatever God would have you do? Are you really willing to go wherever God would have you go? See, faithfulness, willingness, obedience, you know, Paul is talking to us about running our race and, and just like in a race where the baton is passed and we have a, he said the appointed course, that we have a, an appointed segment of our race with gifts and skills and talents that come directly from God and he wants us to run and, and run with focus and run with all of our might. He wants us to do it in faith and with the mindset of victory. But whenever it's your time to go from leg to leg or segment to segment, a lot of times we stay in a leg of the race maybe longer than what we should or we never get to the next leg of the race because we're really not willing to do what God's showing us to do. Are you really willing? Uh, Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person abounds with blessing. A, a willing, faithful means a loyal person, a committed person. Somebody that's not going to really necessarily bring God down to our level, but we're willing to bring our life up to his level. We're, we're willing to let go what we thought we knew about God and what we thought we believed about God. And as we learn new things, we're willing to elevate our thinking in order to elevate our life. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, it says, He who is faithful in very little thing, a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest in the unjust and in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. Pause for a moment. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about money. And a lot of people that go to church day in, day out, every week, they consider themselves faithful, but they're unfaithful with the very least thing that God says. He says, if you're not going to be faithful with money, you're not going to be faithful with the direct words from God. If you're not going to be faithful with money, then you're not going to be faithful with his presence. Oh God, we want more of your presence. We want to know you. Well, how are you doing on being faithful? How are you doing on being willing? Let, let's keep reading. He says, if you're unjust or dishonest in very little thing, then you're dishonest and unjust and much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in, in case of unrighteousness, mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? That is the true riches. See, Faithfulness is proved out because most people think of themselves as faithful. Most people think of themselves as committed. But remember, it's the pressure of the process that separates the committed from the uncommitted. 
Because when you say, I'm going to do what God has called and created me to do, there's going to be some pressure that comes on. When you say, God, I'm willing to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do, there's going to be some pressure applied. And it's that pressure that separates the committed from the uncommitted. Everybody thinks that they are good at submitting, but there's no submission until there's disagreement. So most of the time when there's disagreement, whether it's in church or in a family or in a business, then I'm, I usually submit, but except this time, I just don't agree. Well, there's no submission until there's disagreement agreement. And a lot of times we don't submit to God, even though we say we submit to God because we disagree with the way he wants us to do things. We want him to do it our way instead of us doing it his way. Now, how many church people does that smack right between the eyes? Because I want to do it my way. <laughs> instead of us coming up to do it God's way. So I've got to check myself. I say I'm willing, but am I really willing to do it His way? I say that I'm faithful, but I'm, am I faithful according to God's Word and not according to my standards? Am I, am I loyal according to what God says? Because if I'm faithful and loyal and willing, then there's going to be pressure that's applied, not necessarily from God, but just from the world. The enemy's going to try to take the Word away from you, the dream away from you. But it's a person who's faithful to continue to do things God's way that's going to stay the course and run their race. And they're going to go from this part of the race to the next part of race. There's promotion that comes from God only whenever it's done God's way. But promotion doesn't come from God when it's not done God's way. How are we doing on our willingness? How are we doing on our obedience and our faithfulness? Because, see, God is wanting us to be confident in His will. What does His will look like? Ephesians chapter 5. And, of course, there's a lot of different places that reveal the Word of God. Now, on our way there, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. It lets us know that God wants to reveal more to us, but a lot of times we're not able to handle it because we haven't been faithful with the things that he's been showing us in the past. I remember I was seeking the Lord one time and I was asking him about some things and he just showed me his hand over me. He says, Trey, if you'll just keep seeking me from time to time, I will, it's like a, I'll lift up my finger right here and allow you to see a glimpse of what's in the future there, but then I'm going to put my hand back over you and according to your faithfulness, I'll allow you to see more. Faithfulness is a big thing to God. Are you doing the last thing God told you to do? Are you being faithful with the last dream you had? Are you being faithful with the dream that you in your heart? Are you faithful with the last song that you He gave you to come out of your heart? Are you faithful with the last interpretation or utterance that you got in your prayer time? Are you faithful to write it down? Or do you think you're so smart you don't need to write things down? Because if we're not faithful, if we're not faithful... He says, there's so much more I want to tell you. There's so much more He wants to do around this earth. But are we really faithful according to God's standard? Are we really willing according to God's standard? Ecclesiastes 3.1, he says, there's a time, there's a, there's a purpose for every season under the sun. There's a, there's a season for every dream. There's a season for every gift. There's a season for everything in our life. But faithfulness is a key thing to bring it from the unseen to the seen.
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, he says, Therefore do not be vague and thoughtless, foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. How do I become confident in the will of God? He says, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And he goes in and starts explaining what the will of the Lord is. He says, the will of the Lord is not to get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at this in the Greek, it says to ever be being filled, that there's a continual process of being filled. He says, this is the will of God for you and I. So how do I become confident in the rhema words, the quickened word, the spoken word? Then I, when I find God's will, I act upon what God is showing me in his will and this is where confidence comes from because I know the will of God. When I know the word of God, I know the will of God. And he says the will of God is to be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Never lag in zeal in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. So he says, okay, the will of God is to be filled with the Spirit. The will of God is to be burning aglow with the Spirit. You know when a person is filled with the Spirit, you can tell a difference. When a person isn't doing good spiritually, you know you can tell it. Just like when you know somebody's not doing good physically. Because when we're not doing good physically, people can tell you're not doing good physically. Well, when we're not doing spiritually, good spiritually, people can tell we're not doing good spiritually. See, being full of the Spirit and burning a glow or having passion or zeal or enthusiasm, that type of stuff can be seen. And it's an indicator that the Spirit of God is not just in you where you're born again, but you're filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is the Word of God, and the Word of God reveals the will of God. And he says, the will of God is to be filled and burning a glow with the spirit of God. Have you lost your glow? Have you lost your burning? Have you lost your passion? Have you, have you just, maybe you got filled one time and maybe you spoke in tongues one time, because as you go throughout the Bible, when a person is filled with the spirit of God, the evidence is that they begin to speak in other tongues and it's not some freaky thing. It's the gift from a good father that wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. And he says, when you begin to pray this way, that you're praying the plan of God, the will of God, the truth of God. There's no fear. There's no doubt. There's no unbelief. He says this is a continual process of being filled and burning a glow. So when I know the word of God, I know the will of God. And when I know the will of God, I can be confident in the will of God. And when I'm doing the will of God, it sets me up to have the specific direction. The rhema word, the quicken word, but it just like in anything, if I have good fundamentals, I'm going to set myself up to succeed at whatever I'm doing. The will of God. Now he goes on, verses 18 and 19 in Ephesians chapter 5, and he says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is a dissipation. Now notice how he compares being drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit. Because when you're drunk with wine, I know y'all are probably too holy. You've probably never done that before. But it, it, it affects the way you think. It affects the way you walk. It affects the way you live. It affects the decisions you make being drunk with wine. He says, but when you're filled with the Spirit, it affects you also. And Amplified, it says it stimulates you to think at a different level, to live at a different level, to approach life at a different level. 
the will of God is being filled with the Spirit of God. And he goes on, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, now think about when you're full of something, it's going to come out of your mouth. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he says, when you're, you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to start speaking to yourself and you're going to start speaking to God. And there's going to be songs and there's going to be psalms and there's going to be encouragement and life is going to come out of you. So how do I know whenever I'm filled with the things of God is that they're going to come out of me whenever pressure comes on. And even when pressure is not on when you're overflowing they're going to come out no matter what situation that you face so he says an indicator of being filled is that you're going to sing you know every one of us can sing not everybody's supposed to record but everybody can sing we can, we can sing to our Heavenly Father, no matter how bad it sounds my, my singing might sound to you it sounds good to my Heavenly Father a friend of mine had his church. He said, if you sing bad, sing loud. <laughs> sing, what's an indicator that I'm staying filled, that I'm staying burning aglow, that I'm going to be speaking to God and speaking to myself, and there's going to be psalms, and there's going to be hymns, and there's going to be encouragement. Over 150 psalms written in in the Bible designed to encourage, designed to uplift. Why? Because David was filled to overflowing. The psalmist was filled to overflowing. So when we're filled and burning aglow, it positions us to know the will of God. And the only way I can be confident in the will of God is know that I'm doing the will of God. And when I'm doing the will of God, I can be confident in the race. I can be confident in the plan. I can be confident in his will for my life. Let's keep going. Now, part of the will of God, how do I start developing my confidence in the will of God? Being a doer of the word is being a doer of his will. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, in your own time when I receive the engrafted word of God and I, I do what his word is saying, the Bible says I'm blessed in my deeds. I'm empowered to move forward in my life. So part of the, knowing the will of God and being confident in the will of God is being a doer of the word of God. Say being a doer of the word of God. Let's keep going in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. So if I want to know that I'm in the will of God, he says, okay, position yourself in a relationship that you're being filled with the Spirit of God and you're burning a glow because that lets you know you're in the will of God. He says, you want to be in the will of God? Then be a thankful person. If you're being a thankful person, you're in the will of God. So a lot of people, we wonder, am I in the will of God? Well, you are in the will of God if you're being filled with the Spirit and there's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and faith is coming out of you. He says, you are in the will of God if you're thankful in every situation. You're not thanking God for what the devil has tried to do to your life. You're thanking God that the Word of God always works. You're thanking God that we've got the victory in Christ Jesus. You're thanking God because you know you're going to overcome because you're an overcomer. You're thanking God because angels are working on your behalf. You're thanking God for the good parts of your body that are working and not focusing on what's going wrong. You're thanking God. You're in the will of God when you're thanking God. 
Are you thankful? Counting it all joy is the will of God. Go to James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Counting it all joy is the will of God. Being filled with the Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the will of God. Being thankful is the will of God. We're talking about how do I know if I'm in the will of God or not? Or if you're doing these things, then you're in the will of God. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, you're not thanking God for the trial. There's going to be plenty, plenty of trials that come in life without, without um, asking for them, without wanting them, without desiring them. But they're just coming because we live in this fallen world, right? But he says, when they come, you count it all joy. You count it all joy. That, that's the will of God. Joy gives us strength. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength and the Lord is the strength of my life. So my joy is an indicator that I'm believing God's word. We always want to keep an eye on our joy gauge. If I've lost my joy, then my faith level is dropping. If I've lost my joy, my belief level is dropping. If I've lost my joy... Romans 15, 13 says there's joy and peace in believing. So if I'm truly believing God's word, there's going to be a degree of joy on the inside of me. If I'm truly believing God's word, there's a degree of peace on the inside of me. How do I know whether I'm living in the will of God or not? How's your joy level? High joy level, high strength level, high strength level, dominion and authority and blessing. Low joy, low strength, low joy, low belief, low joy, low manifestation, high joy. I'm not saying go around bouncing off the walls. I'm talking about about an inward joy that comes only from the Lord. Even when you're not supposed to be joyful, you're counting it all joy and you're strong right in the middle of the storm. How do I know when I'm in the will of God or not? Am I positioning myself to be continually filled by the Spirit of God and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Am I, am I being thankful? Say thankful. Am I keeping my joy? How do I start developing my confidence and positioning myself for God to reveal more of His will to me? Well, I've got to be good at executing the fundamentals before I can be good at going beyond and knowing the specific will for my life in certain areas. Let's keep going. Say there's joy in believing. Part of the will of God, Ephesians chapter 5, you can read this in your own time, is submitting to one another is the characteristics of being, being spirit-filled. We'll, we'll, we can touch base on that maybe another time, but it's very powerful. When we learn to submit, the word submit means sub, means to come under. Mit comes from the word mission or another person's mission. When we're filled with the Spirit of God, we're willing to come underneath each other and help each other be the best us that we can be. We're willing to submit to authority. We're willing to submit to leadership. We're willing to submit when a person is filled with the Spirit of God and they're confident in the will of God. There's, a, there's an easiness to submit on the inside of us because that's a teachable spirit. It's, a, it's an attitude of victory. It's an attitude of faith. Another thing of fulfilling the will of God is staying in fellowship with God in a strong prayer life. Now, this is the same group in Acts chapter 4. Let's just look over there real quick. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Because a strong prayer life is very important in knowing the will of God. How many of you want to know the will of God? Every single one of us do, right? 
He says, okay, to know that you're doing the will of God, be filled with the Spirit, to know that you're doing the will of God, be thankful, to know that you're doing the will of God. There's psalms and hymns, and out of the abundance of your heart, you're singing unto the Lord, to know that you're doing the will of God. There's, there's submission in your life to the right people and the right authority in your life. But here, they've just told, um, told them not to preach no longer in the name of Jesus, and so they go back to their company. And in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, when you know you're in the will of God, you know, boldness comes from the presence of God. There's a boldness about you, not a, not an arrogance or not a, not a, but there's a boldness that you know the voice of your father. There's a boldness because you know his will and his word for your life. There's a boldness that you're going to keep working at whatever he's put in front of you to do. There's a boldness because you have a strong prayer life. If you, if, if you want to know more of the heart of God, I encourage you stir up your prayer life. Prayer isn't just about us coming in the presence of God and us just telling God all of our problems. Prayer is about communion with God. Prayer is about getting His will done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer isn't just a, a, a list. Prayer, it's, it's, it's two-way street. And there's different ways that God wants us to pray. A lot of times we throw all of our praying together in one bag and we just shake it up and hope that one of them works. Well, that'd be just like if I, you know, you have rules for basketball and you have rules for baseball and you have rules for tennis and you have rules for rodeo. Well, if I try to take the rules for tennis and try to go rodeo with it, that's going to be a lot of confusion. If I try to go and take basketball rules and take it and play football with it, there's going to be a lot of confusion. Well, there's been a lot of confusion in our prayer life because we think just one prayer should cover it all. Well, there's different types of prayer. There's the prayer of faith. There's the, the prayer of supplication, the prayer of petition. There's the prayer of consecration. There's the prayer of committal. There's the prayer of that changes. I mean, there's all these different types of prayer. And so you don't just throw them all together. It's important that through time with God, we begin to to understand how his word is set up and how his word works. And we, when we begin to pray in alignment with his word, then we start to see the manifestation of his will on earth, just like it is in heaven. Does that make sense? So part of knowing the will of God is a strong prayer life. And out of that strong prayer life, we get bold about what God has called and created us to be. Now, in being confident, we're getting ready to be done. And being confident in the will of God for our life, there comes that one of the greatest prayers, and you hear this all the time, is it's the prayer of consecration. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26, because to be confident in the will of God, there's going to be a degree of consecration. There's going to be a, a degree of dedication. And so the more that we align our will with God's will, the more manifestation we're going to see on earth, just like it is in heaven. But if there's a battle of the wills, yeah, we're saved. Yes, we're going to heaven. But there's a battle of the wills that God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as we do it my way. Notice what Jesus, how Jesus prays, and this is a prayer most of you know. 36 through 42, and I'll just summarize it because several different times Jesus, he's praying, and it says that he's praying to the point that he's sweating drops of blood. And every time, see, Jesus knew that he needed to go to the cross, but he didn't want to go to the cross. Jesus knew that he was going to take the sins of the world, but he didn't want to take the sins of the world. He knew he was going to be separated from the Father, but he didn't want to be separated from the, the, the presence of the Father. He knew that he was going to die and be buried. He didn't want to die and be buried. 
And so he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, there's going to come a time in our life. And, and he wasn't praying about healing when he said, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wasn't praying about provision when he said, Lord, if it be your will. See, we know God's will about healing because we have his word. So you don't tack if it be, be your will because we know his will. We don't pray if it be your will to prosper me because his word gives us his will about provision and blessing and abundance. So you don't tack if it be your will because it is God's will because his word is his will. Now, when it comes to me fulfilling his plan for my life, then I'm going to have to be willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. When it comes to doing certain things about what God's called and created you to do, there's going to have to be a, a surrendering that takes place with your gifts and talents and desires and passion. You'll never walk in the fullness of God's will without there being an if it be your will moment. And not just one. It'll be a continual lifestyle, but you, you, once you realize the goodness of God and that His plan is so much better than our own plan, you begin to live from a place of, God, not my will, your will be done. You begin to live with open hands with whatever you have, your, your money, your finances, your gifts, your talents. God, what do you want me to do with them if it be your will? I surrender to you. See, there's, there's no manifestation of the deep things of God without a surrendering of will. I'm not saying a breaking of will. God doesn't want your will broke. He wants our will in alignment. He wants our will surrendered. He doesn't want to break us down. He wants us just to surrender. Now that takes a, it takes a humility. It takes a consecration. It takes a dedication. So how do I start being confident in knowing the will of God? Well, are you positioning yourself to be filled continually with the Spirit of God? Are you positioning yourself to the point where there's psalms, hymns, spiritual songs that are rolling out of you? In other words, when pressure comes on, you're just glory to God. You're, you're worshiping, you're singing to God when it's just you and Him. Are you, are you at the place where you're thankful and you're grateful and appreciative for even the little things that you have in life? Well, you're doing the will of God. How's your joy level? Well, you know that you're doing the will of God. How, how is your consecration level? Are you willing to surrender everything you have to God? Because until we're willing to surrender, now we're talking about how do we fulfill the will of God for our life? How do we be confident in the will of God for our life? And we're going to continue to build on this. How do we know the will of God for our life? Because if I don't surrender and open my heart up to God, His will is hindered in my life. Not only is his will hindered, the blessings are hindered. The presence of God is hindered. God wants to show up. He wants to manifest. He wants to reveal his will. But if I'm not surrendered, I can only go so far. Now, he's a good dad, and he's going to bless you to the degree that you, he will, we will let him bless us. He's going to show up to the degree we will let him show up. But to the degree of my surrender determines the degree of the manifestation of the good things of God in my life. So I want you to think and be real with yourself. How willing are you to truly be everything that God's called and created you to be? How surrendered are you with what God has placed on the inside of you?